Hello, welcome to the uh, Food for Thought podcast, episode two. I'm your host, Mitch, and this disheveled man across from me is uh, Lucas Steyer. Nice to meet you all. Oh, Merry Christmas, by the way, and Happy New Year to anyone who's listening. Happy Holidays. Or happy actually. Holidays, sure. It's not everyone, I guess, celebrates Christmas, right? Exactly. Some people celebrate uh, Hanukkah, True. Kwanzaa. All right, so we got some fun topics today. We'll do the, uh, the U.S. election and confirmation bias, and we will talk about lucid dreaming, uh, legalization of marijuana in Canada, and the Electoral College. We'll talk about faithless voting. Kind of. But that will kind of go hand in hand with the uh, confirmation bias, yes. Yeah, I guess we'll, we can talk about it at the same we'll time. Tie the, we'll do the confirmation bias, and then we'll, then we'll kind of transition that into the Electoral College to talk about that. All right, so uh, we'll start off with the confirmation bias stuff. I guess we'll talk about uh, some background on how this came up. So basically, leading up to the uh, presidential election in the U.S., I'd watched a lot of like a lot of news, news coverage, that, a lot of a lot of news coverage that heavily supported Hillary Clinton and kind of like demonized Donald Trump. Mm-hmm. And that uh, was like all I watched was like Donald Trump is going to be like the next Hitler. Like he's yeah, going to yeah. destroy everything. He's yeah. such a terrible person. And uh, that was all I watched up until like the election. And I remember I watched the election results uh, live on TV as they were. I watched the uh, the victory speech from Donald Trump live on TV, uh, and I remember I was kind of upset about it. I was like, "Oh man, this just happened. This has just happened." Yeah. I was like, "Oh, I was rooting for rooting for Hillary after all these all this news I watched that that told me Donald Trump's a terrible person." And so I went online onto Reddit actually just to see what people were saying about it. Most of the top like one of the top posts was from a subreddit called r slash the Donald, which is but like all the Trump supporters. And so I took a look through and read through that subreddit for a while. And it was kind of like jaw dropping that all the things that people had been saying negative about Trump, Trump supporters were saying the same thing on the other side about mm-hmm. Hillary Clinton. Each side's supporters were basically demonizing the Well, each of their own the agendas, right? They have to make the other side look bad. True. I mean, so on the one hand, you have people who supported Hillary. They were saying Donald Trump, he's a racist. He's a sexist. He's a homophobe. And well, she the, may be though. Which she <laughs> may based be. on everything. Well, but yeah, based anyways, on some yeah. Yeah. But then on the other side, you have all the Trump supporters that are saying Hillary Clinton is a corrupt criminal, and she she should go to jail for you know screwing around with the democratic process and like abusing powers of elected officials and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. It's kind of uh, it was kind of jaw dropping in the in the sense that I I believed this one thing the whole time, and then all of a sudden it was just like walls torn yeah, like, down. Once you kind of see like, a neutral point of view, it's. Yeah, it was once I had looked at the other point of view, I'd realized, like, crap, I fell for something known as confirmation bias. You're a victim. I was a victim. The funny thing is, I'd even learned about this way before this election. I learned what confirmation bias was, Mm -hmm. and trying my best to avoid it. Apparently not, (laughs) but that's basically the background on... Well, did we define what confirmation bias was? That's what I'm getting okay, at. Gotcha, gotcha. So that's the background on how all this came up. To give it a little definition of what confirmation bias is. So confirmation bias is the tendency to search for, interpret, favor, and recall information in a way that confirms one's pre-existing beliefs or hypotheses, while giving less consideration to the alternative. Basically, you kind of end up with like an echo chamber, where you only seek out and validate opinions that agree with your own. Mm-hmm. And so then you get a whole group of people that are kind of just in this little chamber and their opinions are echoing off the walls mm-hmm. or your opinions echo off the wall, let's say, mm-hmm. and you hear it back and you say, yes, this is exactly, this is good. Confirmation bias. That I mean, we've, it's likely we've all experienced that at some point. I mean, the second you look up, let's just 
take this for example like you know when you're not feeling well you think something's wrong with you you go online you google your symptoms and you find things that support what you're feeling right mm-hmm. and you only look at the ones that you're feeling like oh shit like that's i have that you know i have that disease or like you kind of you know you it's don't like, look at all the things that you don't have yeah. you don't look at all the symptoms that you don't have you look at the ones you do have and you say okay well these are all there therefore i must have this it's like for example if you if you had like let's say a headache and uh fatigue fatigue let's very say general yeah, yeah it's like pretty general uh i should preface this by saying i have no medical training so this example is <sighs> definitely not accurate but but just gives the representation of what he's trying to say it's like you have a headache and fatigue and you go look up and you see oh uh mumps patients have headaches and fatigue yeah so Amongst other things, obviously. But they also have, like, all these other things, mm-hmm. but you just ignore those and you're like, mumps, you know, headache and fatigue, that's what that's I got. I, I got mumps, you know? Exactly. It's also what WebMD is bad for. Yeah, and but. just searching stuff on Google News when it comes to medical. Yeah, so everybody kind of falls prey to confirmation bias. I even knew about it. It's weird, Tried though, to avoid it and still somehow fall for it unknowingly whether you're aware of the actual definition or not most people i think are aware of the fact when they're looking for information specific to what they want to believe right yet we still do it even if you're sort of aware like i mean i'm aware of it and i've done it so many times and even when i'm doing it i'm like i'm aware of this but i still take it because i want to feel good like i want you want what be i'm right. believing to be correct or yeah, incorrect people just want to be even knowing it you still kind of do it so maybe we'll talk about something that i wasn't completely aware of is that a lot of the major news channels in the u.s have like heavy political party favoring to them mm-hmm. when you watch uh, shows like john oliver and john stewart they heavily favor hillary clinton right mm-hmm. and uh those were basically all the stuff I was watching, you know, like YouTube videos of like, what is it, last week tonight with John Oliver, I think it's called. Pretty much every week he would just like have a segment that just rips Donald Trump mm-hmm. for like 10 minutes. He's always got to gotta get some jabs in there. Yeah, I was totally unaware that that was like super biased news. Yeah, you know, <laughs> like a lot of the shows are like, you know, you know, you always think news channels like they're supposed to uphold some sort of some sort of decency and yeah, they should be obligated to report only true things, mm-hmm. only like the face facts without a leaning either way but truth true. is it's, n- it's not you know, it is. that's not the case at all yeah the people who own these companies have agendas and they have political leanings so they obviously want to push those yeah which is why the media isn't always the most trustworthy source of information yeah we should but do some- sometimes is all we have though i mean that's all some people have to look to so they don't i mean they might not know any better right because yeah they're not true. gonna go into i don't know how else you'd even really get them unless you know people but sometimes it's the only thing you go out, right? Yeah. To the average person, at least. It's really tough to get just yeah. unbiased news sources. Exactly. And it's unfortunate because, again, the that's other a large source of information. The other problem is that these places also need to sell a lot of, like, make a lot of money. They need mm-hmm. to sell exactly. ad revenue. So if they're making these articles that are bland and they don't antagonize anybody, yeah. then... Well, it's inter- actually kind of a side note. The other day on Facebook... I saw this interview with Denzel Washington. You know Denzel Washington? And that yeah. fantastic actor. He's good, yeah. Very good. He was being interviewed by a news reporter. Or like a, you know, like a entertainment, like a, one of those... E.T. tonight? Yeah, one of those kind of people. And I forget the actual context, but he just shut them down. He's like, every news reporter has their own agenda. Like, they don't care what they put out there as long as it's the top story. So they can wreck someone's life or like put false information out. Or f- It's like those crappy celebrity magazines yeah, they you don't see care. at the... 
and check he, out of like grocery stores where it's like really terrible and ugly looking pictures of the celebrities and it's angelina had an alien baby from, yeah i mean that's a little another extreme that's, a, I, that's an extreme case yeah, but it's all this crap like idea, yeah are angelina and brad getting a divorce exactly like, all they do is just Creep it's funny them. yeah they just make up stories and print them and they just accept the lawsuits exactly and they just do it enough that they hope the celebrities just won't care anymore yeah and then and just i'm stop sure bothering. they i mean i'm sure they don't they just drag the feet in court and stuff exactly. right scummy way to make money yeah but but he called her out like he yeah. pretty much it was something about the actually with the election really? like the story went oh he voted for or not that he voted but something stupid that wasn't true and he was kind of mocking the reporter he just called her and said look like you're just trying to sell a story so she didn't really know what to say and it was <laughs> i don't know it was very short it was I forget the exact conversation, but it was very interesting. I suggest that maybe check it out at some point. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Send me that. <laughs> Send me that link later. You just do yourself. Yeah, fine, fine, fine. I read something online that was talking about how to... Uh, so if you're reading print articles or if you're reading like articles online, I was reading something about how to discern if the, if the article has some sort of bias mm -hmm. or some sort of leaning to it. And one of the main things they said was the article shouldn't make you feel like you take sides like it shouldn't be oh. shouldn't be provoking you towards some sort of strong emotion mm -hmm. like some sort of strong anger is, it is should the be a of facts really right? yeah it's a laying Without of facts swaying like, a lot of times when you read articles in let's say a newspaper it can be kind of boring because it's literally just here's what happened here's where it happened here's when it happened but that's what you probably should be looking for in that's terms what you of should be looking for information right? as opposed to articles that say this thing has happened meaning this and you should be mad because this is the, it infers this is the something that it, yeah it gives it draws conclusions and provides like implications yeah. and stuff instead of just reporting the what, facts exactly. for everything that's interesting yeah, yeah it is an interesting thing think about so i don't mean, like reading the paper yeah i mean in general just be careful about what you believe even from reputable sites exactly yeah so i guess that segues us perfectly into why should we care about confirmation bias well you miss the truth and you're ill-informed it's a bad thing you should try and avoid it if you can but it is hard though i mean yeah i'm just gonna like i mean uh, not to be pretend like I, i've studied psychology at school and there's a ton of things i'm aware of that in terms of like how the mind works and what we do um, in social situations, even a, being aware of anything, all those, or not everything, but a lot of those things, again, remember I said, I still tend to, I mean, I know about confirmation bias, yet I still fall into the evils of it or whatever, you know? You still fall victim to yeah, confirmation bias? Yeah, I, I mean, bias. I'm not yeah. saying I'm an idiot and just, I'm still aware of what I'm doing. <laughs> like, I'm still knowledgeable and making decisions and everything. I'm not just swaying to one side because I read it. In a time where you want to believe something, you'll pick what you want to believe and if it supports yeah, what you you'll believe, you'll lean towards that. it. So which, I'm just saying, you know, it's hard, to, it's hard to avoid even if you know it's true. Yeah. Which is kind of unfortunate because, I mean, the best way is to just try to look at opposing views of, of the subject, let's mm -hmm. say. So look at look at the side that I guess you favor. Look at the arguments for the other side as well, mm -hmm. or what's being said by the other side. You don't need to take a side. I guess ever since internet debates have been a big thing, it's been very much, you're either with us or against us. Yes. You, can't, you can't be in the middle. It's, it's one extreme or the other. Yeah. And it's just created a very, like, sort of polarizing effect mm -hmm. on people's viewpoints where you can't be in the middle people don't people won't accept that people accept you have to either agree with me or you disagree with me there's mm -hmm. no well i don't agree or disagree with either of you yeah. i'm in the middle let's say but i guess with the election though mm -hmm. like one person has to win so whether you i mean yeah you're swaying towards one side either way but one side's gonna have to win in the end anyways yeah so i guess i mean i guess we can still fall victim to it because you're gonna get swayed out of way but there's really because someone's gonna have to win it doesn't matter who's the bad guy like they're both bad like bad and probably in the end no, they're both so. terrible yeah they i think uh hillary clinton and donald trump had like the lowest approval ratings of presidential nominees ever yeah or something like that they were very low on the approval ratings both of them kind of felt in the end like uh, a lesser of two evils situation yeah let's
do the Electoral College then. Okay, the Electoral College. So, Lucas, what can you tell me about the Electoral College? Well, Mitchell, coming from an expert, I, as I understand it, the Electoral College is... Okay, so, in, at least in the U.S., you know, when you vote for for presidency you vote for the elector to vote like yeah. it's not like it's not like uh in canada you know whatever the popular vote is that's who becomes prime minister correct you know the vast majority is voting for trudeau he'll become prime minister but in the states um it, kind it's of it's by popular vote in canada is that true i Not actually no well the way we elect it is so each part of canada is split up into ridings so winnipeg has four ridings within the city i think each of the liberal conservative and like ndp and green party and stuff all run in each one of those areas and each of those areas elect whoever gets the it's first past the post obviously whoever gets the most votes is elected and they get a seat in the house of representatives and you need a majority of seats in the house of representatives to have a majority leadership mm-hmm so right now, the Liberals have a majority leadership in the House of Commons. Uh, you can also have minority leaderships where like, you can you can get election results that have no party that's having more than half the seats in the House. And so then you have sort of like a, a split. It was going to happen, I forget when, a few years ago, uh, the Liberals, when Stephen Harper was in, was in power, mm, the Liberals and the NDPs were trying to... I forget the term for it, but uh, they were going to sort of like band together. Mm-hmm. And then have more power than the conservatives had. Okay, well, probably my knowledge of the uh, electoral process is not great. <laughs> but so the key difference between the Canada and the U.S. elections is in Canada, when we go out, we vote for our local riding member. Mm-hmm. So I'm not sure who it is in your area, but on the ballot, it'll have just four or five random people's names who are the conservative, you know, liberal, NDP, Green Party, so on and so forth, representatives for that area. So you would vote for like John Doe as the liberal yes. guy. In the States, when you go to vote on your ballot, it says Donald Trump or Hillary Clinton. You vote directly for the president. Okay. We vote indirectly for the president or for the prime minister because each of those seats represents power in the house Mm -hmm. in the u.s on their ballot it says directly the president's names you vote directly for the president however you don't actually vote for the president Mm -hmm. the electoral college does the electoral college is 538 members and it's the group that actually elects the president why that's important is that's how the situation where the nominee with the popular vote doesn't necessarily win the electoral Mm -hmm. vote because of how electoral votes are distributed it gives more i guess influence to the less populous states i mean the idea behind it is that there's just so many people living in california and new york and florida and all these Mm -hmm. and texas i guess is probably bigger but all these like huge states with just crazy population and all these like middle states you know like montana utah south dakota north dakota all the farm states basically just have like insignificant populations compared to these like huge states the argument for it is that it protects the smaller states by giving them a better say at who the president is instead of just having four big states just decide the presidency what happens is you vote for presidents everybody votes for who they want to be president within what is it electoral district district i think i forget the term for it it's it's like a right in Canada. Mm-hmm. So you vote in that, everybody votes in that. It comes out as, you know, red or blue, Republican or Democrat. And then there's a an elector that is supposed to go into the electoral college when it convenes and cast their vote for the side that got the most votes. So all you need is the majority of, what is it, 270, I think it is, to win? Or 270? 270. Yeah. You just need the majority of the electoral college votes to win. I kind of said it already was that it gives a little bit more power to the smaller states, but it also ensures that candidates don't just campaign big cities. Mm-hmm. When nominees go out and campaign, they campaign some more or less interesting places. Like, they're not going to just all the big cities, right? 
Mm -hmm. because of the the electoral college basically because if the electoral college didn't exist and it was just sort of a whoever gets the most votes wins you could in theory go to just the most populous places Mm -hmm. and just ignore the issues of all the middle farming states um however it kind of has the interesting effect of there's a lot of states that are very very democrat or very very republican and so what ends up happening is the swing states are the only ones that matters yeah so i don't know how much like coverage you watched but um the swing states as i understand are the ones that could go out of way right so you have yes. the ones that will obviously support republic republican or democrat uh but yeah. the swing states like it's like california like, like they can they can predict okay well Based they're on, gonna, they're basically just like you use kind of like past trends to just see like California just votes blue, yeah. Like that's just how it goes, yeah. and like places in the South usually just always vote red, yeah. Um, like they're not swing states, like they're pretty much most places will just like predict this is how the state's gonna vote, mm-hmm. you know, long before the election, yeah. And it's usually right just because of like past trends and stuff. But the swing states are the ones that go back and forth, and these are the ones that candidates really need to campaign in because winning the swing state is is a big deal because it's not a it's not a guaranteed state for your your party. I mean, no state is technically guaranteed for you, even if it's even if it's like primarily uh, Republican or Democrat. These swing states basically just become the basis of the whole campaign. Now, um, sorry, just back to the uh, electoral college. Now, you said that with each elector, they can they can technically switch, right? Yes. But it, well, as I read, twenty like, uh, it's twenty seven states have laws that require the electors to actually vote for their party's oh, really? candidate. I read twenty nine. Okay, well, DC. Yeah, that's twenty seven, twenty nine something like that i'm not sure so where's yeah. the other ones maybe i'll change. just maybe i'll just uh describe faithless voting and why that's a thing you would think that these electors are just legally bound slash obligated to just vote for the will of the public um if you think that you would be wrong because they don't have to they can go in and vote for whoever they want and they go in and they say you know, I'm just not feeling it today. I'm just going to vote for Hillary Clinton instead, or I'll just vote for, for a third-party candidate. Yeah, they're not bound. Hmm. It does say that there are laws in 29 states plus D.C. to punish faithless voters, that being somebody who votes for the other side or somebody who just doesn't vote for the president. But from what I saw, these are laws are just, like, never enforced. Mm-hmm. They don't actually receive any harsh penalties. What I read was the biggest risk they run is alienating themselves from the party, because it's usually the... Uh, party that elects them or appoints them to that position Mm -hmm. and so if you go against the party uh then you're kind of just alienating yourself yeah out of politics in general but i mean i guess it'd be pretty easy for it to be rigged though in terms of you pay an elector to vote for you regardless you know i mean i'm sure there's obviously it's laws in place that you know yeah obviously you can't do that but i'm saying like theoretically it could be decently easy to do that if they have the ability to change who they're electing you know so you're one of the 29 states who has to vote for your party Mm-hmm. regardless but if other states they can go either way yeah this would be theoretically be pretty easy to pay them off if you want to yeah but not easy in terms of to do it but you could do it i think it's a pretty hefty federal crime but. Well, i'm sure it is but i'm saying it's you know it's up it's up in the air they used to have i think they still have something in place to avoid colluding among among the electoral college i know back in the day before cars and electricity and all this or not electricity cars and telephones and all this fast travel and fast communication was a thing the electors used to have to vote in their own state in their own district what that meant was everybody was spread across and you couldn't collude with one another mm. because you all had to vote you know yeah, in separate you're, you're parts separated. of the country yeah. but yeah. now it's like you can just yeah, pick well, up you your phone just, i mean you can just track it but yeah it, it used to be sufficient to just keep people separated and they just couldn't collude with each other. One last thing that the Electoral College is supposedly good for 
is it acts as a safeguard against electing a bad leader. Hmm, that's interesting. This is probably where I want to spend my time discussing this, because this is an argument that people put forward in favor of the Electoral College. They do put in favor? Some people put it in favor, some people say it's a bad part of the Electoral College. I'll, I'll let you decide. So, let me give a bit of background on this. There was, maybe two weeks ago, I think I was talking to you about this. I think it was two electors came out and said, we are obligated to vote for Donald Trump when the Electoral College convenes, but we will not be doing so. He said, I refuse to vote for him, even though, you know, it's, this is what the people want. Mm -hmm. I, I will not be voting for him when the Electoral College convenes. He said, I'll cast it for somebody else, but we're not voting for Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. And the argument he said was, he said, our founding fathers put in place this system to stop a potentially terrible president from being elected. We are the last line of defenses in saving the U.S. from itself. But that's a huge problem, though, because exactly it's a democracy, right? So if that's what the people want, that's what they should get. It shouldn't necessarily be up to those 538 people. Exactly. Who really runs the country. Yeah. Well. That, was, that was my thought when I heard that. He said, we're here to protect the will of the people from themselves, mm -hmm. basically. I'm kind of paraphrasing that. He just said, this, the Electoral College is in place to safeguard against this yeah. kind of incident where Donald Trump would be elected as a president. This is what the Electoral College is for, and we're going to use that right, mm -hmm. as outlined in the Constitution. But yeah, my thought is the same, is that, are you really exercising the right, or are you just doing what you think is better? Yeah, because like you think he's going to be a bad president, but 50 million people in the U.S. you know seem to think he's going to do a good job, and they yeah. voted for him. And you're just undermining the will of the people. Exactly. You're just undermining democracy when you do that. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people pointed that out as well. I mean, in a scenario where it benefits everyone in the end, yeah, you could argue that's a good thing. But that's hindsight, but, right? But that's in hindsight, right? You can't. You can't think with hindsight glasses. Exactly. On. This guy's saying that Donald Trump is going to be this next horrible like, Hitler-esque figure, right? Mm -hmm. But you don't know that. You just think that. Exactly. The problem is nobody can predict the future, obviously. Mm -hmm. So you can't say with certainty that this is what's going to happen. Mm -hmm. You can only speculate and say, yeah, he's a bad guy. We're all screwed. So I'm just going to ignore what everybody wanted mm -hmm. and just go against it. So the other argument is that he's not ignoring the will of the people because Hillary Clinton won the popular vote. Mm -hmm. She got more votes than Donald Trump. I think it was 55 to 50 or something. It was a few million oh, okay. votes difference. Hillary got a few million more votes than Donald Trump did. The other interesting thing to think about is, is it really ignoring the will of the people then? Because the majority of the people wanted Hillary Clinton. voted for Hillary Clinton and wanted her to win. That's not who actually won. That's not who actually won, according to the Electoral College. That's very interesting too. Right. Because what we just said was, if that's what the public wants, that's what they should get. And in this case, the majority voted for Clinton, yet Trump got the position. Exactly. You can see the Electoral College poses benefits a lot of issues, I think, more so than benefits. I don't know. I honestly, I'm, once I heard that second argument, I'm just, I don't know what to say. What do you think? I, it's also a problem with the two-party system, right? It's not that people who voted for Hillary wanted her to be president. I feel like a lot of people that voted for her just didn't want Donald Trump to be mm -hmm. president, which is your problem with the two-party system. You end up voting against somebody because you don't want them to win instead of voting for who you do want to win. You're not voting for the values of Clinton. Yeah, you're voting, you're voting against you're the other person, Trump, yeah. which is what happened in our Canadian election last year, I guess it was. Everybody was sick of Stephen Harper's crap. And so they were like, yeah, you're done. Uh, like, sure, Justin Trudeau's like, eh, it's more we just he's, don't he's want better it. than you are. Yeah. Yeah, which is what I'm sure a lot of people voted for Clinton because they were yeah. like, 
her or him uh i guess it's got to be her yeah same old lesser two evil situation but in a way they know. still voted they still voted for someone ag- better than or at least what they thought was better than trump yes whether they voted for clinton or against trump that's still what their vote they says. just don't want trump that's essentially it they still cast their vote saying that this out of the options this is who i want to be president more people voted for hillary clinton than voted for donald trump but yeah that's how the electoral college works and this is like i think seven percent of all elections have ended up like this so all out of all the ones we have or out of all the ones the u.s has had seven percent of them the candidate that won didn't win the popular vote that would really be disappointing for mm-hmm. the candidate but if you think about it, at least she could say at least i got the majority of the population yeah it doesn't matter in the end because you're not president but at least you could at least you got some you know self-esteem left from that yeah hopefully <laughs> and so now well so since this election was so polarizing right this this was a very very polarizing election People are still, like, very upset mm-hmm. about Donald Trump's election. And the Electoral College is getting called into question a lot as of late. I think it's partly to do with how polarizing everything is and people realizing that Hillary Clinton would have won if the Electoral College wasn't a thing. Mm-hmm. It's true. I mean, I mean, what, what would the alternative be? They just strip it out and be like, it's just based on popular vote? Would that be the alternative, or would they just modify it somehow? But then that goes back to the thing where... So now you're talking about different types of voting. So there's... What we do now is called first past the post, which means you have three candidates, and whoever... Everybody just casts one vote for who they want, and whoever... Whichever candidate just gets the most votes, they win. Mm-hmm. There's some other types of voting that are much better for indicating what the public actually wants as opposed to first past the post. And those are like ranking ba- or rankings based uh, voting. So what you would do is let's use like the Canadian election, for example, because we have three parties in which this would be applicable to liberals, uh, conservatives and NDPs. So the conservatives are very conservative, for yeah. lack of a yeah, better yeah. term They're And then the liberals are liberal. I guess their parties are kind of self-explanatory. Yeah. <laughs> the NDP we'll is both. also fairly liberal they just have a few different views Mm -hmm. than the liberals on some things the ndps are more liberal than the liberals are the liberals are closer to conservative than so you have these three parties if you had a ranking ballot system what you would do is you would go in you'd indicate your first choice of party your second choice of party and your third choice of party if you had a second or third and so what would happen is you would cast your vote in and they would count the votes in a special way you would go through and you would count everybody's number one and you would distribute those votes and you eliminate the one at the bottom let's say in this example everybody votes in they count everybody's first round votes and then they eliminate the green party off the bottom because they got the least votes what they do now is they go through again and they count everybody's second round and they distribute those votes around oh, okay and then they eliminate the bottom one and they keep going so what happens is with this sort of ranked system you get to indicate your preference in a better order it's a process of elimination essentially what it does is it eliminates the issue of voting against a candidate because let's say you also agree with the ndps and let's say the green party's strategy but Mm -hmm. let's say you align most with the ndp but you know the ndp won't get the most votes so you're worried that if you vote for ndp you're spoiling your vote so you need to vote for liberal to stop the conservatives from getting Mm -hmm. this power so you give your vote to a party you don't really want but you don't want the other leading party to take power so you cast your vote for for a party that you don't really don't really want to win but you'd still rather have over the other leading party with first past the post you can indicate ndp is your first pick and liberal is your second pick green party is your you mean the ranking yes in the rankings and then it indicates that you want this party to win the most but if they don't win if they don't receive enough votes you are okay with this party taking your vote next this party taking your vote next and you could leave conservative off it altogether so that you know your vote never goes to them Hmm, what ends up happening 
is elections are a lot less of a landslide victory for parties. For example, in this election, the Liberals would have had, I think, like 50 less seats or something in the House or something like that if they had done a like a rankings-based mm-hmm. instead of first past the post. Justin Trudeau did say he was going to change our voting system, so see how that works out for him. Yeah. <laughs> Long tangent of... We can do better voting systems. First past the post is pretty crappy in terms of electing people that we actually want. Mm-hmm. I like the idea of that ranking system, though. Yeah, it's a good one. A little more complicated. Like, it's not an easy process by any means, I'm sure. Yeah, but... But maybe it's, it might be worth it in the end, like... Well, I think this is a fairly good segue for medicinal marijuana. Sorry, not medicinal marijuana. Legalized <laughs> marijuana. Seeing as I was just talking about Justin Trudeau and his promises to revamp the voting system, he also has some promises in place to legalize marijuana. Interesting. This was the statement the Liberals made on their website during the campaign. And they say, The current system does not work. It does not prevent access to kids, and too many people are getting criminal records from it. Arrests are expensive and give records to nonviolent offenders, and it puts money into violent organized crime. So basically what they're saying is, our current system doesn't stop kids from smoking marijuana and lots of people are getting criminal records for possessing this mm-hmm. even though it's non-violent crime you know you can get sent to jail for possession of a certain amount the rests and like sending people through the justice system very expensive. is very expensive all you're really doing is the big criminals don't get caught because they just use people on the streets to so go to jail for them basically they're making all the money and they're the ones that are they're the real doing, issue. they're doing organized violent crime yeah so that they're the real issue and so current marijuana laws they're, they're only hurting basically, is what the liberals are saying. Recently, a task force was put together with the goal of how to legalize marijuana in Canada. And they came up with a nice report here that I made some quick summaries about, and I will describe to you. (laughs) Good notes So, I guess one of the biggest pros about this is that it provides a lot of tax revenue. Tax marijuana, just like you tax alcohol and you tax cigarettes. Research is sort of up for debate, but I believe there's like a fairly general consensus that smoking marijuana is less damaging for you than smoking cigarettes. And definitely edibles are less damaging than smoking (laughs) cigarettes Mm -hmm. because you don't actually inhale smoke. So they talked a bit about the health risks first, and then they went into the whole report about how to implement all this stuff. Mm -hmm. Theoretically, within about the next year or so, the ball will get rolling on all this and we'll get some legalized marijuana. I suppose. Mm-hmm. I'll talk about the health risks of marijuana first, because it is not all hunky-dory. More health benefits, if anything. Um, so there's actually no... Benefits, per se? No, no, no. There's no scientifically proven benefits. Lab studies have not shown that mm, yes. conclusively this works. People might not like that idea, but uh, I'm, not, I'm, not saying I'm, a, I'm not saying that I'm against it as some form of like a medicinal treatment, but there's no scientific studies to support it. Yes, this is... When I was meant benefits. I'm, not, I'm not saying that people who report it as like curing some of their like symptoms of things as being liars. More helps. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. I'm just saying that like scientifically, there's no evidence to support it, so the government can't get behind it and say that's fair. Because you can't officially go on record and saying as we support this if it's just if it's not like scientific study, not proven by scientific studies. Like it's not necessarily making things better. Well, it could help improve certain things, but. As a whole, it's not necessarily benefiting you in the sense that it's not increasing any sort of. I mean, yes, it might help with, say, nausea or I pain. I think nausea is the but big it's not one necessarily that people, that people increasing report. your susceptibility to pain or anything like that. Yeah. that. yeah. So when I say benefits, I mean, I guess it's more perception. Some people see it as benefits and the fact that they can appreciate things better, but it's not an actual scientific like improvement of your body from smoking weed, if that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like exercising. Exactly. Yeah. It's something we perceive as beneficial, but it's not necessarily beneficial. Anyways. It makes your life easier to live. I mean, for some. I think medicinal properties of it is kind of a moot point. I, I don't think that's an argument to 
legalize or keep it criminal. I think people should be free to choose to do things that they want yeah. to do. Just because it's legalized, everyone has to start doing it. Well, what I'm saying is that I don't support the government controlling and regulating what we can and can't do to such a high degree i th i think everybody would agree to some in like in some way that yeah it's a good thing that the the government makes you know like crystal meth and yeah like heroin heroin and stuff illegal because it's very deadly very damaging yeah it's very damaging it's very harmful to those who use it and it's highly highly addictive so a lot of yeah. people ruin their lives so i don't think there's a lot of people that would argue that the government shouldn't be regulating those sort of drugs mm -hmm. But I think there's a lot of people that would argue that the government should not be regulating marijuana. And I they agree with that. should not be or should it? Should not be. Interesting. But with, it, that yeah. it's a different class of drug, right? Yeah. I think it's, I think that's absolutely true because it's not, it doesn't have the same effects and the same. Wait, so are you saying that they should or should not legalize it? They should legalize it. Should legalize I, it. I think they should have never okay. put it under in the first place. Okay. Under like criminal because it's not as damaging as like. Alcohol. Know. Yeah, it's actually smoking. not as damaging as alcohol <laughs> right. or smoking, and those things are legally sold. I'm talking about like it's they classify it as a drug, and it's yeah, but it's not heroin. It's so not. Is smoking, and so is coffee. Is tech. caffeine's a drug. Yeah, well, they classify it as an illegal drug, like heroin yes. and, yeah. and crystal meth and stuff. But those two are so far on and it's on the other from each other that yeah, exactly they're not even closely related. People who would smoke marijuana would never do you know crystal yeah, meth exactly. and stuff. Long rant over there. I'll talk about the health risks. <laughs> Obviously, lung problems from smoking. If you choose to smoke it, clearly smoke is smoking of any kind is bad for you in any small amounts. Mm -hmm. uh, increased heart rate, heart problems later in life, higher chance of developing a mental illness, long-term effects, which is kind of interesting. So things like schizophrenia can occur if you smoke for long periods of time. Apparently, you have a higher chance of developing that. Okay. Take that with a grain of salt, though. The other problem is um, long-term analysis of health risks of a lot of drugs is not really known just because we've only sort of recently started to study it and on top of that a lot of people who do heavier drugs mm -hmm. don't tend to live that long don't anyways. tend to live <laughs> in the long term and even if you could study that you have to find a person to study long term and that can be very difficult to do too right yeah so the long-term stuff is kind of i don't know how I don't know how accurate it is but this is what the government put on their website so i'm going to assume there's some merit air of truth to this I'm going to assume it's at least a little bit reputable. Why would the government lie to us? Ah. So, long-term loss of memory and decision-making, uh, long-term addiction, and this one is the interesting one, is it's damaging to brain development for those under 25. So your brain is still developing up until yes. the age of 25, and so smoking marijuana is hindering to your brain's development. Obviously, edibles are a lot safer. There's a lot less risk associated with them, but you still do have increased heart rate mm -hmm. while you're high, <laughs> even on edibles. Effects on the brain. And the effects on the brain are still the same. It's just your method of intake is less damaging on your on your lungs. Yeah, so let's talk about the report here. So this report just gave a bunch of recommendations, and so I'm just going to basically read through some of these recommendations, and we could talk about uh, what you think of this sort of stuff. Uh, I should say, first and foremost their their plan is to kind of treat it like alcohol and tobacco mm -hmm. in a sense just in case some of the stuff only makes sense under that guys so they want to set minimum purchase age to 18 or for provinces that have the minimum drinking age is 19 they would recommend to set it at 19 as well okay so basically like when you're somewhere you have to be the same age to buy alcohol and marijuana let's say i'm restricting advertising uh similar to tobacco so tobacco companies can't advertise basically they might actually be able to advertise in places that are 18 plus but i know they can't advertise on buses or anything like that or on tv obviously anymore so restricting on advertising similar to tobacco prohibit packaging and forms appealing to children what they kind of said was that you can't have it seemed like they were trying to say you can't have edible forms of it 
But what they went on to say was what we saw from Colorado. I believe so, yes. Washington. Washington, yeah. yeah. What they said was uh, they examined those areas and saw that the best sort of way to do it is to just put the edibles in or like a boring opaque paper bag that has like clearly labeled like THC content and stuff on it. Mm-hmm. And to not have fancy, colorful wrapping and stuff. Like, don't make it appealing, essentially. Don't make it appealing to children, sort of thing. Because you got to think of the kids. Same thing with the packages of cigarettes have those roast advertising. Yes. You know, if you smoke, your your teeth are going to turn black and you're going to... Yeah, it's like the worst case. Like, they kind of try to scare off. Yeah, they have the really shock yes. branding on them. Yes. So, packaging would be sort of similar to that. Um, you can't have, like, fun, bright, awesome packaging that appeals to, to any youth. Mm-hmm. Prohibit mixed products. So, this is actually kind of an interesting one. So, you can't have caffeine laced marijuana or marijuana with alcohol mm-hmm. or alcohol with like marijuana infused in it mm-hmm. similar to how those rockstar energy drinks and those well, i think what was it four locos or something like that yes uh, the one in the states that was like really bad for people because mm-hmm. it had just like crazy amounts of caffeine and liquor those came under a lot of fire because they were mixing caffeine yeah. and alcohol right yeah and so i think the government was just yeah we're not doing this with marijuana <laughs> you can't mix it mm-hmm. just on its own yeah i mean i guess you're free to you're free to do whatever you want you're but free to we're do not it. gonna sell it yeah it's not being sold as mixed yeah also require labels of thc content within the marijuana whatever you sell it has to be properly labeled with its amount of thc in it Mm-hmm. Whether it be in cigarette form or it's edibles or just lay in package or like Quick a little baggie yeah. you buy, right? They also said that use some of the revenue to fund enforcement and education. So there's a couple other laws around this. They're suggesting that there should still be laws around marijuana, but just that they should be a little different. So I'll get to those in a second. But they recommend to use some of the revenue to fund enforcement of those laws and to fund some education about how to be responsible with marijuana. You know how you have all those don't drink and drive ads mm-hmm. and know your limits, how many beers is too many, all those like alcoholic education ones and police officers who come and talk to you when you're going to school talk to you about the dangers of alcohol and to be responsible and all these things so something similar to that so fund some fund some programs that teach kids the rights and wrongs yeah well just basically tell them the truth about what marijuana make them aware you know awareness the other one is create a public knowledge campaign so basically sort of what we just talked about but Mm -hmm. aimed at everybody just spreading the correct scientific information and the last one would be to fund research so i'll talk about some of the researches they want to fund in the public safety section below but i'll talk about supply which is probably what everybody actually cares about so the federal government has left it up to the province province's discretion to go about putting this into place so the federal government still however wants to maintain regulation of production so what that means is they set the laws on who can produce and how much they can produce they're in control of uh production regulation everything else they're saying they want left up to provinces with the exception of tracking seed to sale is what they've called it so they want to be able to track basically every seed they want to track its progress where it gets sold okay. so if there's recall issues or something they can have a paper trail of everything i imagine they do this a similar thing with alcohol as well basically they want to track more or less every plant and just have some some paper trails of who produced it uh, how was it handed off how was it mm-hmm. uh, cultivated uh, how was it harvested who harvested it who mm-hmm. did all these things where was it distributed to when who's it sold to federal government still wants control over that which is feeds into their regulation so they say sale and distribution goes to the provinces they recommend limits on the density of stores and their distances from public areas such as like schools parks rec centers basically said you can't pack a whole bunch of pot shops in one corner and they recommend that you don't put them too close to schools or public parks mm-hmm. which i don't think is super unreasonable no i mean i mean why would they anyways like <laughs> yeah i'm sure there's like unless they're trying to track kids but i mean you shouldn't be doing that yeah i'm sure there's fine real estate like 
and other parts. Keep in mind, these are all recommendations. So the provinces might just decide to say, you know what, screw you. We're going <laughs> to ignore all your recommendations. Personal production. Uh, yeah, I believe they had like an online survey about what people thought about personal production. And so they, in the end, their recommendation was that personal production should be allowed, uh, but limited to four plants per resident with a max height of 100 centimeters per plant, hmm. and it must have reasonable security to stop somebody like a kid from breaking in and stealing the plants, for example. Hmm. I guess it's sort of similar to, you can buy, you know, alcohol kits. You can make your own alcohol. Mm-hmm. As long as you don't sell it, but you can yeah. technically make it. You can make it. I don't know if you can make it in like huge bulk though. No, no, no. Like yeah, well, you can, I mean, you can you make like home, you want it's like home wine kits, right? Exactly. Like beer. It's like wine. sort of the same thing. Four plants is like quite a bit. That's cool. Would you be able to do the same thing about being able to actually buy the supplies necessary to make the yeah. by yourself? Hmm. Yeah. So well, it just like think about it like buying like one of those alcohol kits. You could buy like a hydroponics kit. But yeah, personal production is to be allowed. So that's pretty cool, actually, because mm-hmm. that means people can just grow the stuff themselves in their house and you buy some seeds and you need a little bit of gardening. Yeah. Almost. <laughs> so now let's talk about the public safety aspect of all this. Well, can I just intervene for one sure. sec? Maybe you're going to get to this, but does it say anything about the punishments becoming more severe for those who still continue to sell weed on the streets, let's say? What do you mean sell? Well, oh, let's say so you're yeah. selling through improper channels. Exactly. Like you're not like, you know, you're doing it like you would now it's not legal i guess like I say you bought a kit and you sold it would it be the same sort of punishment as if you technically got caught selling alcohol that so they have a clause in there of what's called the gifting to friends clause so i'm sure people could use that as a loophole what i'm saying is what if the big drug dealers are still selling weed in bulk and they're distributing it illegally mm. that's what i'm saying uh, like, what's yeah, the, I'm, is punishment that's anything about maybe become more severe for those yeah so that falls under regulation as well I didn't have anything about that. But yeah, so the federal federal government would, they regulate production, right? So that would fall under, I guess, their jurisdiction, more or less. Because obviously you can't, you need, a, you need a license for it. You can think of it like running a bar without a liquor license, right? Yeah, true. You get stopped with like crazy, crazy yeah. fines. I imagine it would be something similar to that. The idea behind it is that you make it so easy for people to go through the proper channels. But they don't want to go through it improperly. And you make the, you know, the, the fines and the penalties for not doing it so high that people are just hey, this is so easy like i have three hours one night and i pay 50 bucks and i have this liquor license or i get slapped with a yeah thirty thousand dollar yeah fine. exactly i imagine that's kind of what will happen but yeah there obviously will still be penalties for people who do it through improper channels but also if the government undercuts how much marijuana costs now then a lot of those channels will just disappear mm-hmm. which is what they want yeah Exactly. So yeah, public safety. <laughs> Unless, did you have any other questions about that? No, no, continue. Okay, cool. Uh, this is my last little heading that I made some notes about that were of interest, and then we can discuss this all. I'm sure you have some things that are need some clearing up. Anyway, public safety. So similar to blood alcohol content, we don't actually have a number that says yeah, standard. How much, yeah. No, we don't actually know how much THC concentration in your blood gets you high. You know how we say legally 0.08 is drunk? Mm-hmm. There's no number for THC concentration. Mm-hmm. Somebody's got to come up with that. Interesting. I uh, need to do some research for that. Also, they need to inform the public of dangers of driving impaired. Obviously, you're driving high is like driving drunk. You're impaired. When you're doing it, it's it's illegal. You shouldn't be doing it. It's bad. It slows your judgment down. Develop a better way to test people for impairment on the roadside. So we have breathalyzer tests, right? Those were great for determining blood alcohol content, but we don't have anything that's great for determining a THC content in your bloodstream. Mm-hmm. You can take samples and stuff and analyze them at labs, but it takes a long time. And money. And money, yeah. So they need like some cheap, effective way on the roadside. Maybe the breathalyzer again, or maybe they just take a sample of something. 
I don't know. Blood sample. Yeah, that seems a little invasive. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they need to find a better way to identify someone's current THC Mm -hmm. level on the roadside for for roadside tests for impairments. The last thing on here that I found interesting was put a limit on personal holding to 30 grams and only sell a certain amount to someone at one time. Mm -hmm. So basically, you can only have 30 grams on you at once. Or sorry, you can only possess 30 grams at once as like a limit. Mm -hmm. I assume over that limit would be some sort of fine. Mm-hmm. Not actually jail time. Yeah. And then only sell a certain amount to somebody once. So similar to how at a bar you can't buy more than two drinks at once, you wouldn't be able to buy more than X amount of... I didn't know you can't you can buy more than two drinks. I did not know that. At a bar? Yeah. I didn't know that. Well, that's what they say. Sometimes they look the other way. If it's kind of like sketchy bar, that they don't care. I've been to places before where they can't do that. What if you're buying it for other people, though? Doesn't matter. Really? Yeah, you have to have them there with you. Oh. I think at the MTS Center, you can't get more Places than Places like that, I'm sure, yeah, it would be way more regulated, but... Yeah, I know I've gone to the MTS Center before to try and buy people beer, and they're like, sorry, you can only get two at a time. You have to have somebody else there with you Makes to sense. buy the other two. Hmm. Maybe it's because I usually it's actually, never buy it's, more than two drinks at a time. I've never experienced that. You took the uh, the serving it safe thing, right? Yeah, I did. That was one of the questions in there. You can't serve somebody more than two drinks at once. Well, Mitchell, yeah. I didn't it's read because, that. It's because you need to be able to regulate. If you were able to serve them like 20 drinks at once, they can just get wasted. And yeah, no, no, it makes like, sense. Harm makes themselves, sense. right? Yeah. Whereas if you serve them two at a time, you can monitor, monitor how drunk they're getting and say, you know what, you're cut off. Exactly. Yeah. I've ever taken that test. Uh, my boss Jeez. and I took it. To, well, it's, there's like three of us in the room and we took it. <laughs> and I didn't really even study. He's like, oh, we just, we'll just do it. It's an open book anyways. Yeah. But it's okay. All right. So that's legalizing marijuana. Those are recommendations from the government task force. It's very interesting because, I mean, I think that in terms of, you know, drinking, and if you compare it to smoking marijuana, mm-hmm. I, I mean, I think it's about time they do that i know there's a lot of issues but in terms of uh well it's more people think you know it's a gateway drug and all that but compared to alcohol i'd say marijuana made this a matter of opinion is a lot more le- a lot less harmful than drinking would be in sense of what it does to you like i mean i you think know, if you, you look at have- the end outcome um i mean thousands of people die from uh, alcohol poisoning exactly. or alcohol related deaths um maybe i won't say alcohol related deaths because I'm sure people have died while having marijuana in their system, but I should say... But it's not directed. Yeah. I, mean, I don't know. Yeah, no, it's I, like alcohol I, I poisoning know, kills you. There's no such thing as like a marijuana overdose. Yeah. You just Sometimes fall you can't get sick from it, but it's not... The, uh, the LD50 of the drug is ridiculously high. Mm-hmm. You need to consume more than humanly possible in, mm-hmm. order, to, in order for THC to kill you. Yeah. Essentially. That's not so, to say people won't react in a bad way. Some people to, have poor reactions yeah, and they that's still have a bad different. experience. Maybe you throw up or something. You're not dying from it. Exactly. You're fine. I think it's good to legalize it too because a lot of things or one thing that I think a lot of people worried about like a lot, a lot of people could die from marijuana but because it's laced with something else, right? Yeah. And I think that's if there are marijuana related deaths it's probably likely to do to the fact that it was laced so it's not like the marijuana itself. Stuff, yeah. So if you're able to, you know, monitor it. You have regulation on production yeah, and you then you don't have to worry about cut drugs, basically. Exactly. But what do you think it's going to do to all, like, the, you know, big drug dealers? Do you think they're going to get pissed and retaliate against the government? Or do you think they... I mean, they, no, they're, 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 I don't think they're they're gonna marijuana... Do I mean, they're probably they're still going to be selling you know, crack heroin, all the big stuff, right? I think they'll just upscale operations. Because if you think about somebody who's growing it illegally right now, you could go and you could buy a giant warehouse and increase your production tenfold mm-hmm. and sell it wholesale legally. And you can get all the products to produce it cheaper too. When you do something legally, everything is cheaper, mm-hmm. right? So if you if you do everything legally and you just increase your production, you probably make more money that way. Plus you have more customers because it's legal and selling through these viable storefronts instead of, oh, you know a guy that can get you 
some weed, you know? Like, you, you got a dealer or something like that. Instead, you don't need to know a dealer. You just need to Google marijuana store. Well, that's <laughs> what I'm saying. No, I'm saying, like, for the people I think selling marijuana. You talking about the small-time drug dealers? Yeah, like the organized drug dealers, the ones who have to, you know, distribute it. You think they'll be... Because they're going to lose a lot of business, obviously, because they mm-hmm. won't have drug dealers selling people it. People still do it, though depending on the price do you think the marijuana they'll sell will be good stuff i guess it, you could probably buy different types right but do you think yeah buy different strains i guess so like alcohol you can buy 40 percent. you can buy there's a limit to what you can buy but i think you're thinking about it in, in the wrong way you should think about it in the way similar to if you ever just buy moonshine from some random dude at a festival mm-hmm. think of over time it transitioning to people selling each other high potent alcohol or what I'm somebody is, selling somebody else some beer well what i'm saying is like alcohol at least in canada in canada there's like a max i think you only sell up to like 70 percent alcohol yeah but people make like grain alcohol that's like yeah but i'm talking about grain. which you can legally sell though yeah i'm just talking about what you can legally sell yeah so do you think there's gonna be a max on the THC content you can legally sell and you think it'll be let's say a sufficient um, for those who I think it depends, have a high what, tolerance, it depends what form it comes in so I think you can only get it so high when it's in the plant form but you can like break it down and make oils and tar and stuff like mm-hmm. that that's like way higher concentration and crazy potent right mm-hmm. but I think in its plant form you can only get it everybody's trying to push to get more and more THC content in it right mm-hmm. there's a limit to how much is in the plant obviously because you can't just have like THC plant that grows yeah it's it's like an active chemical in the in the cannabinoid, I think it's what it's called, plant. But they'll sell more than just, like, the plants. Like, they'll sell, like, oil. They'll sell, like, um... So, I think they'll sell, have, like, edibles. I don't know. They mentioned as well about uh, vape oils. Oh, so, okay. people make e-juice for mm-hmm. vapes that have, instead of nicotine, THC. What about dabs? That, uh, that's concentrated THC, right? Yeah. Yeah. Do you think they'll sell stuff like that, too? I don't know. Or do you I think they made that come later? If at all. Yeah. No, I'm just curious yeah. whether they say uh, anything about I don't know. That. They didn't say anything about selling different forms of that. The most mostly what they talked about was the plant form and the and like edibles because mm-hmm. those are the two big ones right yeah i wonder if it'll change the for example you know for all the people who are anti-marijuana do you think mm-hmm. now that it's legal they'll be like oh i support it now just because it's not because they because what they did before is they didn't like it because it was illegal but now that it's legal they they'll think it's okay oh they're just following what the government exactly says. first they won't make their own judgment based on the actual what it does to you you know they think it's illegal therefore it's bad do you think a lot, like of a lot of change people their opinion? i think a lot of people are in that probably they, feel like that i don't think they'll change their minds though you know you think you know how like a lot of parents like oh yeah weed's bad for you but they don't really they don't know why. they just think it's bad it's illegal yeah. do you think all of a sudden the parents will be like okay well it's legal now so i'm not gonna say oh go smoke weed but they're gonna <laughs> be like okay well if you do it then the government says it's okay therefore it's okay do you think that will happen a lot Probably. For, I mean, I mean, I know it you must happen. The it must that, happen for some people, but yeah. uh, I, I think know. that's that's, that's, a, that's a bad way to approach it. But I feel like that's something like I really didn't. I didn't think you did as much research as I expected. Oh, yeah. so I was like, "Fuck!" So I got I got. I feel like I got to buckle down a bit. And in all fairness, I was. Bu- I have been busy doing my fucking physics project, which is kind of cool. The Arduino thing. Oh, it's fine. You know, sometimes. Well, the electrical. That was up to you because I was like, I'm not a political guy. I don't know shit about politics. Same with the marijuana one. Well, that I, I really actually looked, read. I didn't. I looked into that one. I read the actual report for that one. Yeah, that would have been beneficial. Any other any other thoughts about the legalization stuff? Well, I think it's about time. But I mean, I understand it's not an easy process. Yeah, because you don't want to screw it up either, right? Yeah, you don't want to put the thing in place and then it and it sucks. But I, I'll definitely. I'm looking forward to it. I think it's good. I think it'll be cool. I even if I'm not. Like I'm not going to use it, but I mean, I'll, I'll, I think it's I think it's good for I think it's just good to have. Yeah, like, who am I to say what people should exactly. shouldn't do? People mm-hmm. can still make just because legal people can still make decisions not to have it. Yeah, you know, it doesn't affect me. I, I choose whether or not I want to exactly. use it. So I'll use. I think I'll use, I won't like every day, but I'll. I'll it's like alcohol. Like you know, you'll have it a couple like a week over the weekend or something like that. Yeah, maybe couple, every couple of days. I don't know. <laughs> I'm just kidding. Every couple of hours. Every like minute or so. 
All right. So uh, our last topic, lucid, lucid dreaming. dreaming. Why don't you Why don't you explain lucid dreaming for me? Yeah, I mean, maybe many of you have heard of it. Actually, Mitchell and I a couple years ago tried a lucid dream. It's kind of a cool process. Like it's kind of fun. What it is, it's a lucid dream is a dream in which you're able to control your dream or kind of create your dream. It sounds kind of far fetched. When I first heard, it, I was like, yeah, it's probably just you know fake, but no, it's it's a real thing. Like when you're dreaming in your dream, you come to the realization that you're in a dream, and then from that point, you're sort of able to take control of it. You yes. Know? And I don't know, but you, I know you have lucid dream before. And I think I have, but not to the same extent. I've had a few lucid dreaming experiences, as well as sleep paralysis experiences, that's which, I'll, which I I'll talk about. I think that's uh, also a very interesting thing. But I think we'll they kind of go hand in hand almost a lot of the time. Yes. yes. Yeah. Lucid dreaming is like, you know you're dreaming and you can control it. Yeah. Pretty cool concept. Obviously, people can do this and they can like fly around. And you, you basically, whatever your brain can think mm-hmm. up, you can do in your dream, right? Assuming you're good enough to, I mean, the thing to, where once you realize you need to stabilize your dream. Exactly. And yeah. this is, I guess, I get some, into how I that's have some possible. points about stabilizing yeah. dreams. First, I just have down the methods of inducing lucid dreams. I have here five of them. One thing that you can do that's like pretty easy is just keep a dream journal. So this helps with dream recall. Mm-hmm. So once you wake up, you write down everything that happened in your dream and it helps you remember your dreams more. Mm-hmm. And you'll eventually start to sort of notice patterns that occur in your dreams yeah like you'll pick up on things that you commonly dream about or yeah so let's say for example a lot of times you have this certain person or certain place appears in your dreams you write those down and you you'll remember the dreams better and then when you are dreaming you'd be like hang on a sec this pops up in my dreams all the time Mm -hmm. oh hey i'm dreaming and then bam you're lucid and you're controlling your dreams it's actually i uh you did a dream journal correct or did you Uh, i kept it on my phone okay yeah uh, yeah Yeah, I remember I used to wake up. Every time you wake up, you have to, it's kind of hard to remember your dreams sometimes, so you got to do it real quick. But uh, you write down your dreams. Yeah, just fade of it. Even if you don't remember exactly, just write down anything you can remember. It's a lot of fun, actually. Kind of You get better at remembering them exactly, the more yeah. you do it. But uh, sometimes you just don't the, remember it at all. The important thing is to do it right after you wake up yeah. because you lose you lose your memory of the dream very fast yes, yes. throughout the day. So Even as you're writing it, sometimes you forget. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I guess when you keep writing, you know, you learn to pick up on things that are commonly occurring in your dreams and i know one for me is or one common one there's certain common ones that happen for people right there's one for example you can't read or you try to say read something those going those going with the reality checks yes. which is the other method turn off your fucking phone <laughs> you hear that? your mom again it's a snapchat ian Okay, fair so you can do some other stuff as well one of those is reality checks which is what you had mentioned before about the writing and technology mm-hmm. doesn't work and stuff the big reality checks you want to do are the palm, the nose, clocks, and reading. So you can do these while you're awake throughout the day, and then you will do them in your dreams as well. So the palm trick is you press your thumb into the center of your palm and try to push through it. If it's solid, you're awake. If it goes through, you're in a dream. So you do this at random intervals throughout the day. You just kind of like push into your palm and see if it goes through. And then these habits that you do will transition into your dream state. The nose, you plug your nose and you try to breathe through. Obviously, if like you can't breathe through it and you're awake. And if it works, then you're in a dream. It's almost like you're priming yourself. Is that the right word? You're priming yourself? Yeah, yeah. sort of, in a way. You're like getting yourself ready for, for in your dream state, you're going to try these things and they're going to fail. And it's going to be different from what you expect. The other one is clocks, which kind of goes hand in hand with reading. Usually when you when you look at a clock and then you look away and then you look back, the time will have changed drastically. People report that 80% of the time, if you look away and look back, it'll change and then like 99% of the time if you look away and look back a third time it'll definitely have changed so the clocks have trouble keeping the same time within mm-hmm. dreams the last one is reading Ugh, i hate that in dreams and you can't read <sighs> yeah it's so, so if you've ever had that feeling where like 
you're trying to read something or you're trying to like use some technology where you have to read things off the screen and right like, reading an exam maybe yeah or a question on an exam yeah you're like writing something on an exam and it just keeps changing on you it's because you're in a dream so what you can do is if you read something on a piece of paper you look away and you look back similar to the clock the words will have changed or the meanings all mixed up basically it it's going to be different than what was originally there and so you can do this in your like waking time where you kind of read something and you just look away and then you read it again it stays the same you're all good and so then you know when you're in a dream and it changes then you know this is a dream and you'll be aware and that's when you'll snap into this lucid state those are kind of passive things you can do now there's three techniques you can do that are very active so there's mild wild i don't remember those and oh yes yes wbtb right because there's one where you sit in your bed and you focus on one thought right and then you eventually go to sleep that's that's or you fall that's the mild okay yeah so that's the mnemonic induced lucid dream which is mild uh, wild is wake induced lucid dream that's like the hardest one to do and then wbtb is wake back to bed which is like the easiest one to do okay mild is yeah you fall asleep while focusing on the intent to lucid dream so you are lying in your bed and you are as you're falling asleep you're saying when i am dreaming i'm going to be aware i'm dreaming and i'm going to have a lucid dream and then you think of those thoughts as you fall asleep and voila it's, mm-hmm. that's what's in your mind when you're dreaming and you have a lucid dream wake back to bed has to do with abusing your sleep cycle and so what you do is you wake after a shorter sleep so let's say if you normally go to bed at like 12 or so uh so you would sleep for about four to six hours you would uh wake up and you'd spend between 15 minutes to maybe an hour looking up things about lucid dreaming thinking about lucid dreaming doing stuff basically about lucid dreaming then you go back to bed and basically you'll jump more or less right back you'll go into rem rem sleep very fast and so you'll wind up in a lucid dream wasn't the trick for that one to wake yourself up before you go into rem so that when you go back into sleep you get under because when are that's why they dream that's why they say four to six hours yeah is because i think that's when your rem cycle would start Mm -hmm. yeah so the trick is you want to get right into rem sleep after like thinking about all this lucid stuff because you'll have a much better chance of having a lucid dream and for all listeners rem sleeps the stage you're asleep where you dream yeah maybe or i mean not the only i think it's should we just should we kind of talk about stages of sleep well there's what there's light sleep light sleep deep sleep deep REM. REM sleep yeah so it, it works it works in like a cycle it follows a cycle yeah i think it's an hour and some long hour and a half i think the cycle yeah is. so what happens is you are lying in bed and you know you're trying to fall asleep and then you go into light sleep and there you go into your deep sleep and then the one that actually matters is your REM sleep. So you're in REM sleep for about 30 minutes, is it? I believe so. Something like that. 30 minutes. It's not very long. 30 minutes and then 90 minutes of another mm-hmm. sleep and then 30 minutes of REM, right? Yes. Or is it 30 minutes for every 90 minutes? I think it, the REM is 30, I think, and then the rest is much longer. Yeah, I know REM sleep is very short, but REM sleep is the actual thing that makes you feel rested. Oh, yes, yes. If you, yeah, if you wake up if you during wake REM up, sleep, that's not, you won't feel rested, but when you wake up you feel it's like if you ever wake up in the morning you feel super super groggy yes, and awful it's because you woke up during REM exactly. sleep and same with naps even that's why they say like don't nap for like eight hours like nap sometimes a short period of time because you want to time it so you kind of you go through a I think it's like an cycle. hour and a half is good yeah because that'll let you get through the whole cycle exactly. out of REM sleep yeah okay so that's wake back to bed basically abuses your sleep cycle to where you go right into REM sleep or your dream right away after having thought about lucid dreaming for a while and then there's the wild uh, wake induced lucid dreaming this one is the 
craziest, the hardest one to do. When I, I remember when I read this the first time, I thought this is this is a load of crap. This is impossible. The wake-induced lucid dreaming technique is you keep your brain conscious while your body falls asleep. So essentially, you put your body to sleep but keep your brain awake, mm -hmm. and you will dive directly into a lucid dream. The question becomes, how do you do that? Yeah. So basically, the number one method that uh, people talk about doing is so you want to lie on your back nice comfortable position where you don't have to move and what you want to do is you want to you imagine like putting lead weights on your chest lead weights on your oh, I think shoulders I've tried, I've tried you, this one yeah you imagine like lead weights getting put all over your body as it seems to get heavy you can also imagine another one that was kind of interesting is you imagine yourself getting fed into a wood chipper and then it mm. numbs your limbs as you go in basically you want to like sort of make your body feel numb and then you fall asleep and your body falls asleep and at that point that's when you can basically go into lucid dream state yeah. but obviously hard one to do because yeah you i remember you trying that like one a, i remember trying that one as well it was interesting we'll talk i'll talk about the rest of the things i wrote down here and then we'll go through our lucid dreaming slash sleep paralysis experiences you can also get some lucid dreaming devices little face masks that will flash lights when you're in REM sleep to notify you that you're dreaming you can also get audio devices that'll play sounds when you're in REM sleep you can get those on spotify can't you maybe can you they have weird playlists for, for sleep and stuff. Huh. I'm going to check it out because I have it. Yeah. So you can get stuff like that. You can get actual devices that detect when you're in REM and then it'll say those things. Hey, you're in a dream. Oh, really? So like trigger like, oh, that's interesting. Stabilizing your dreams once lucid. When you, once you realize that you're dreaming, a lot of times what happens is you get really excited and then the dream just dissipates. Mm -hmm. So what you can do is spin. So you spin around in the spot that stabilizes your dream apparently really in the dream the, the feeling of motion in the dream stabilizes it the other one is rub your hands together the weird thing about that is you gotta remember to do that in the dream as well mm -hmm. it's like an extra thing you gotta worry about you know and yeah. then the fact that you're thinking <laughs> well, about once doing you're that, lucid you'll already it's a lot easier to remember things i remember there was one lucid dream i had where i, I went lucid and i was sitting in a car and everything was starting to kind of like melt away i was like no 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 i was trying to spin in my chair and i woke up and i was like damn i'm stupid i should have just rubbed my hands together <laughs> yeah. how was i gonna spin in a yeah. car <laughs> yeah, you could last thing is anything's possible in a lucid dream mitchell last thing on here that i put down was sleep paralysis okay so sleep paralysis is so in wild it mentioned you put your body to sleep but keep your brain awake sleep paralysis is when that happens to you you wake up and rem REM sleep basically but your brain didn't send the the wake up messages to your body so you basically wake up but your body's paralyzed your mind's awake but your body's paralyzed it's like numb you can kind of think of it imagine if you were just paralyzed and couldn't move yeah which sounds kind of scary on its own but also what happens is the brain still half thinks that it's asleep and dreaming which is why your body's asleep and so you have nightmarish visions appear before you basically I remember you had that one time yeah. yes i have had it if I think I've had it two times. So basically what happens is you, you wake up and you think you're awake because you actually are. But uh, a lot of people report having, they can sense things in the corner of the room watching them. Mm -hmm. Little demons usually is what it is. You can move your eyes and usually in the corner of the room, they'll see like a small demon or something. Oftentimes these demons will come onto your chest and sit on your chest and make it feel like you can't breathe and all this other super scary stuff. And actually this is a huge, a huge tangent. I'm just going to briefly bring it up. A lot of sure. uh, people, you know, think they've been abducted by aliens. Alien abductions, a lot of the time, it's they think it's a real because they're in a stage of sleep paralysis. So when they see these things in the corner of their eye, they feel exposed in their bed. You know, they feel something coming at them, but they can't move. A lot of times, they'll claim that was alien abductions, but realistically, just sleep paralysis. Mm-hmm. Because you're seeing things that aren't actually there and you're, you feel yep. like you're awake, but you're not. So it's, you know, confused. Well, so you're kind of awake, 
kind of not i don't know it's you're not fully consciously awake but you kind of are Mm -hmm. yeah sleep paralysis some people experience demons in the corner of the room most people are in extreme fear during it obviously and they can last anywhere from i think it was like a minute to like 20 or 30 minutes you can have some of them go uh, on for him. Isn't that perceived as even longer? Because I know dreams you don't perceive actually it as last even long, realistically, but in your dream, it feels like it's happening for... Yeah, I think they asked some people and some people perceived it. Some of these experiences as being anywhere between 10 minutes and an hour long in some cases. Uh, ways out of it is just somebody else wakes you up or you just wake yourself up naturally. Mm-hmm. Should we talk about our lucid experiences? Well, I mean, you probably... My, my sleep paralysis experiences? I know, I, I every time I nap, I feel like I get... Something I, I've never you had have, like full on dreams. sleep paralysis, but I've had very close. I've had very vivid dreams, especially when I nap in the daytime. And a lot of the time, I'll suffer some sort of sleep minor sleep paralysis where I'm very weighted down. And I like I'm somewhat conscious, and I just can't move, and I really want to wake up, but I can't. But I'm sort of awake at the same time. Mm-hmm. But it happens more in dreams. Uh, sorry, when I'm napping during the day, which is kind of weird. Yeah, my um, dreams are the most vivid during the day. I don't know if there was any like scientific proof behind it but it is pretty well it's common it's pretty common knowledge that when you nap during the day your dreams are much more vivid mm-hmm. and i like it it's kind of comforting in a way but mm-hmm. sometimes it's but not only the vivid but they're somewhat realistic yeah a lot of the time i can't see like my eyes go blurry and i can't they're so bright i can't like usually because the sun is like beaming on my face but oh you mean in dreams in the daytime yeah it's really you can't see like you got like one little yeah. eye open and like I those just me. yeah i get those those are terrible i hate those so annoying sure i'll talk about some of my uh lucid dreaming like, experiences you've had some, yeah i've had, had minor ones I've had some minor ones where I've gone lucid for for probably a minute or so and then the dream kind of evaporated. Uh, I think some of the cooler ones were when people in my dreams told me that I was dreaming. Mm -hmm. Remember I was at an old friend's house in one of my dreams. We were there for like some family gathering or a party or something like that. And somebody comes up to me and they're like, Mitchell, you're dreaming. And I was was still in the dream at this point. And then they like grabbed me by the shoulders and they're like, no, you are dreaming right now. And I was like, oh, fuck, I am. (laughs) And then... uh, and then I started to like walk around and like do some cool stuff and then the whole house just melted <laughs> and I woke up and I was like, shit, that's disappointing. Oh yeah. That's another thing in dreams. Don't look in mirrors because your yeah, face yeah. looks all fucked up. Yeah. You apparently. Totally. Yeah. There was one I had not too long ago where I was, um, I don't know if it was during the night, like a nap during the day. I think mm-hmm. it was at nighttime. I remember that I was standing there and I felt sort of heavy. And I th- felt myself sort of relaxing and I kind of sensed that I was in a dream. And then I just like started like flying i started like floating up i was like <laughs> oh i'm flying and i was kind of in control i was like oh just let's fly out the door now and see what happens so i kind of felt it was very short-lived yeah but i think it was the minor lucid dream mm-hmm. i get those yeah it was very, yeah yeah very i nice. have some of those sometimes lucid dreams you're in control of but it doesn't feel like reality necessarily mm-hmm. i feel like at, even after you wake up from a lucid dream you know that it was like a dream yeah there's no really. like even when you're when you're in a lucid dream it doesn't feel as real as reality but it's more exponentially real more was. real than yeah. the dream was yeah okay so the most recent lucid dream i had was probably the coolest one i had because it was a it was a wild lucid dream this was back in october i think it was this was right when i got my dog hmm. so this was the first night i had her i had stuck her in the kennel in my room and of course Every three hours, she would just start screaming her head off because she wanted out. So I didn't get very good sleep that night. But what happened was, so she barked to wake me up at about two o'clock in the morning. I took her outside and I went back to bed. And then she barked again at about four or five, took her out again. This is when I came back in, went back into my bed. I'm lying in my bed 
And you know how sometimes when you're falling asleep, you kind of get these like images in your brain of things happening. Mm -hmm. When you're really overtired, those can be a little more vivid as you're falling asleep. I don't know if you've ever experienced that before. I find a lot of times when I don't sleep well enough, when I try to fall asleep, the images in my brain are really vivid because my brain's kind of almost hallucinating a little bit, Mm -hmm. I want to say. This is happening to me because I basically haven't slept at all for 24 hours, more or less. This dog Mm -hmm. has kept me up. I'm getting this image in my head of myself standing on this super long dirt road big prairie fields on either side and there's this like small dot at the very end of the road on the horizon and i see like see this sort of like guy on like a, a motorcycle coming up and he's driving closer and closer and closer and he's got his he's got one of his hands up almost for like a high five and i'm like oh man i should give this guy a high five so i go and i put my hand up and right as i high five the guy that's when the whole world just claps and i go from being in my bed to being in this world hmm. and i'm standing in the prairie fields and i'm like flying around and shit I did that for a little bit and then the dream kind of fell apart and I was back in bed and then I tried to imagine doing it again but I couldn't get the whole thing to sequence in the same yeah. way. I could see the guy coming down the the road and everything again but every time I went for the high five it just wasn't it didn't pull me into the same dream again. That's crazy. Do you think there's some people who get so good at lucid dreaming that they're more excited for their lucid dream than, than they like are real for real life because they're just so good at they can control what they want. I don't know. You think that's possible? I bet. Okay, so I'll talk about the bad part of it, too. The sleep paralysis, I guess, stints that I've had. Stints. So the first time I ever had sleep paralysis, I didn't know what it was at the time. I remember I had, I just kind of woke up and I was on my side, and I was looking at the digital clock in my room that was on the other side, and I was reading the numbers, and there was like these kind of like black fuzzy around my eyes. The edges of my vision was blurred black, and I couldn't see. Mm-hmm. And I remember I was like staring at this clock, and I was trying to move my body. I was like, ah, it's weird. This must be a dream. That's weird. I'll just go back to bed. So I just went back to sleep. It wasn't until after that I realized that was, or once we started researching lucid dreaming and stuff, that's when I realized that that was sleep paralysis. I didn't have a terrifying sleep paralysis experience until we watched some scary movie. Oh, it was uh, Insidious. No, 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 no. No, it was that one where they go into the lion's exhibit and there's that demon figure with the three lions on his face. Devil Inside. Devil Inside. Yeah, that was the one. I don't know if you remember, but in that movie, the devil guy, he had white face paint that kind of looked like decrepit flesh and he had three lines down his face sort of a black cloak it's important because that night i had a sleep paralysis thing where i woke up and i looked over to the doorway to my room and there was just this hooded black figure standing there and it was him i remember he like started sort of to walk a little bit closer to the bed and then he just started shouting and then Mm -hmm. he started really shouting and swooped in behind basically behind me because i was lying on my side swooped in behind me right in my ear in my peripherals and this shouting so loud the whole house was shaking violently and then i just woke up that's so scary the other one was maybe like a few months after that where i was like lying in bed you know when you kind of like half wake up i was just coming out of a dream and i half woke up and i I was kind of looking up at my ceiling and there was like a a dangling light bulb the ones in the horror movies that they turn in the basement it was just one of those i don't have those kind of lights in my room right so i'm looking at this thing i'm like oh that's weird i kind of take a long blink and the thing just shoots up and it's bent at a right angle the cord was sitting at like a right angle the light bulb was still there it wasn't on for either of them i look over to my doorway and there's this i guess the best way to describe it is if you ever saw paranormal activity movie mm-hmm. the girl in that yeah when yeah, she yeah, has yeah, like yeah. the knife at the end she's walking slowly yeah. or whatever that's the best way to describe it is i looked over and there's pretty much that lady she's just slowly walking towards the bed towards me holy fuck this is only a dream this is only a dream this isn't real and that's then i just so kind of like snapped out of it before she made it to the bed my heart was just fucking pounding that's insane i don't know so terrified the weird thing was so for both of those i felt more scared after when i actually woke up than during the experience itself mm-hmm. they're both fucked <laughs> what are some dreams <laughs> where i've had 
really recently where like you just something goes terribly wrong like you trash a shit out of your car oh, or like, yeah. you kill someone well, not kill someone <laughs> but like, you damage something severely or you miss an exam completely you get something something that could happen in real life and you think to yourself in the dream you're like this is fucked like i don't know what to do yeah. but i was like this is a dream like don't worry like everything will settle itself out this is a dream and you come to the realization in the dream you're not necessarily lucid or anything but you're just like this is a dream and then you know it's not you kinda, like you know it's you not know real it's like, but yeah. at the same time you don't know that it's a dream uh, it's weird and then you wake up and you're like like thank god that was a dream yeah when you miss your exam or oh, something you realize yeah. you realize you have exam an exam that day for a class you yeah. haven't gone to all semester or yeah, oh, I get that. That all yeah it's freaky stuff any other thoughts on lucid dreaming sleep paralysis honestly i could talk all day about dreams but like oh, I, I mean it's kind of let's see what time we're at now i mean a lot of this will i'll cut down some stuff to save some holy crap yeah, so yeah we're at about two hours right now nice. we got a bunch of dead space in there that'll get cut out probably oh. about an hour and a half of consistent content right now but food for thought that's what you get we're hungry boys. <laughs> so do we end the episode? <laughs> Food for thought, that's what you get. And, uh, you know, we're hungry boys. <laughs> Thanks for listening. It's your host, Lucas Dyer. Thanks for listening. Uh, I'm your other host, uh, Mitchell. Thanks for listening. Fuck you, Lucas. <laughs>